Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in to Seek First Podcast. I'm Rick Brown. We talk about everything here, life, seeking God, biblical truth, today's culture, and whatever is on my guest's radar to unpack. We want to understand what is happening around us. Stick around. I think you're going to be encouraged. Take a minute to subscribe to the Seek First Podcast. Thanks, everybody. Let's jump in. Hey, today we are joined by lawyer, attorney, Nicole Pearson, and she's been fighting for liberty. We want to build relationships with people that believe in our constitutional republic, and then we want to touch base with them as they're progressing in their fight. So uh, we do that today with Nicole. Nicole, thanks for joining us again. Hi, Pastor Rick. Thank you for having me. I, just, I love being here. <laughs> One of the, the side effects of this terrible time in our nation is that we've met new friends with a passion for liberty. Isn't that true? We, we never yeah. knew each other before, and through various events, we come together, and we have the same heart for our nation, and we're speaking up. And I know you're doing that as a lawyer, as an attorney, as a wife and a mother. I mean, you got your hands full, girl. Yeah, I do. It's, it's okay, though, because um, I think we've discussed before, I told my husband, I'm either going to be awake worrying about this, or I'm going to be awake working on this. So... You know, that was the decision that we made together and a decision. <laughs> he, wouldn't, he wouldn't call it as much as a, as a collaborative decision as, as, a, as a forced mandate, a real mandate with, with lots of <laughs> A household mandate. I would rather work than worry because it, it's really epic times. And even as we're talking now, you just got back from court, right? You went uh, down to uh, the courthouse and, and, and tell us just a little about your morning because I think that People hear about a lawyer fighting for liberty, but they don't even know how things can domino in a good way or a bad way. Uh, some things went wrong today heading towards court. Tell, tell people so they can step into your life a little bit, Nicole. Well, um, believe it or not, because <laughs> I know that there's a lot of, uh, there are a lot of associations that come with people who are fighting the fight the way that we are. And um, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. But I'm starting to get to the point in our LAUSD lawsuit where whether intentional, you know, out in the open, there there are some nefarious forces that are in effect. And, and I don't mean like an evil opposing counsel or a mean judge necessarily. Um, what I am referring to is, is very weird technicalities that keep happening that I've been practicing for almost, you know, since 2006 um, is when I really started working in the law. And so, you know, 15 years, and it never has happened to me before. And it keeps happening, like paperwork that's rejected. Uh, phone This morning, so just to answer your question, uh, we had our team, one of us is in uh, San Juan, or San Clemente, excuse me, one of us is in San Francisco, and I obviously am in, in, in Orange County. And we had all registered for remote access, which, you know, as you mentioned, COVID, um, a, a lot of hearings are done remotely. And I just woke up, God woke me up this morning and was like, you got to go. You just got to go. And I was like, really? It's 541, but okay, we got to go. And so I drove to LA to the courthouse. And I didn't even tell my partners because I didn't want them to think I was trying, you know, to step on anybody's toes. And when I got there, neither one of them could log into our remote hearing. 
And you have to understand, we've been doing remote hearings for almost, you know, 20 months now. And the courts have these systems really dialed in. And I'm sitting in the courtroom. I'm like, I'm just here in case anything happens. If they move us like they did to us on October 29th at our last hearing, if they don't get the papers, I have extra sets of papers. You know, I just, I'm not even going to tell them that I'm here unless there's an emergency. And my friend, my, my partner's like, okay, great. And then lo and behold, you know, they're like, when are they going to let us in? They're not letting us into the hearing. And I'm like, what do you mean? So I went, I spoke with the clerk and she's like, oh, we're having technical, technical difficulties with some of the attorneys. And they're like, they're not letting us in. We can't get in. We can't get through. And so I had to take the hearing. So um, I think that's really bizarre. And I'm not trying to be a conspiracy theorist or I just think it's uh, so many things have happened on this case already that it's really, um, it's a little bit alarming. So that's why we're going to go in person and that's why we're going to stay on top of it and keep fighting harder. So don't worry, don't despair, but at least we are aware that these things are in play. These, these forces are in effect. So now share with us the substance of what that hearing is and what you're really focused on um, in this case. Okay, so um, for those of those listeners or watchers who are aware, the Los Angeles Unified School District, which uh, matriculates about 600,000 students, uh, on September 9th, about depending on which school you went to, three, four, five weeks into the school year, they announced a special meeting, a special remote meeting, which was closed to the public, um, although you could call in, uh, to discuss a resolution uh, that would require the uh, COVID-19 shot for all eligible students. And in August, those eligible students were students 12 years and older. Uh, so what happened was, is on that day, their special meeting, which they obviously had already resolved that they were going to mandate the shots, uh, they passed the resolution 6-0. to zero. Uh, It should be noted there's seven board members, but one of them had to recuse themselves. Scott Schmierlson had to recuse himself from the vote because of his financial ties to Pfizer. So he couldn't vote on the resolution, okay, but he obviously was there through the whole drafting and implementation of it, uh, but he didn't vote on it. But the remaining six unanimously voted to require the shot. So on October 29th, we went in emergency, emergency to put a stay. It's called a temporary restraining order to restrain the district from enforcing the shot requirement uh, because the requirement has two tiers. They had uh, students who are 12 years and older who were involved in extracurricular, in-person extracurricular activities had to be fully vaccinated by October 31st, which is why we went in before that deadline. Um, and then the second tier is the one that we went in on today. And every other student who's 12 and older must have their first shot by November 21st, their second dose by December 19th, and in order to be fully vaccinated by January 10th, which is the when they come back from winter break. So we went in this morning asking essentially, um, it, it, it was different. It was a different hearing, but we asked the judge to set an earlier hearing on our preliminary injunction, which is currently set for uh, December 8th. And uh, the judge denied that. And the, the focus that has, the, the repeat focus of both judges on both of these motions has been twofold. One, that parents, the parents that, that the district put in this horrific situation weeks into the school year that they delayed coming into court 
that they should have been in in September, that they anybody could have come into the court and asked for a temporary restraining order. That's always the first one. And the second point that they, very broadly, right, we discuss a lot of issues, but their first is that the parents delayed in coming and asking for help from the court. And number two, that the harm is not the shots, that the harm is the exclusion or being excluded from your extracurricular activities, which was October 31st, or being excluded from school, which is January 10th, uh, which to me is very, or to us, is very disingenuous. There, you can't divorce the two, it's, it's twofold. One are the two sets of shots, and then also the exclusion. But the, the, the first harm, the closest in time, is the November 21st one. So the judge was like, no, I'm just going to hear it December 8th because you have until January 10th to, uh, to get fully vaccinated. Uh, so we lost the hearing, uh, the motion, the request today, and we are preparing for December 8th. Wow. And now we see if that's 12 years and older, and now the pressure is coming down. It's going to be five and up, which yeah. they they will embrace also. Obviously, that's their 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 mindset. So right. uh, you shared with me before uh, about the California's constitution about vaccines. That this is really an illegal to add this vaccine to the list of vaccines. Um, some some technical things happen if they do that. It opens up religious exemptions, medical exemptions, and they don't want to do that. Can you unpack that a little bit for us so that it's not you're not just whistling in the wind, that there's actual legal um, foundation for what you're putting forth? Well, I would just start with, and this is something that I always say, you've seen me speak, uh, that I want to make sure that everybody understands the law is on our side, okay? Just, I think it was yesterday, maybe the day before, um, the president of the United States came out and said that the fifth districts, so the court of appeals ruling where they did stay the vaccine policy, right? In the fifth district. Okay. And then the few days later, five days later, which was yesterday, I believe it was yesterday, he comes out and told businesses disregard the districts, the, the court of appeals ruling, and you must proceed with these vaccine mandates for your employees. So you know that OSHA was coming out with these emergency temporary standards for mm -hmm. the vaccine passport, vaccine verification in their in their in businesses with employees with, a, uh, with the, for employers who have a hundred or more employees. So they filed an emergency temporary restraining order. That restraining order was granted in Texas in that district. We're in a very different court system in Texas. It was granted, and then we have the president of the United States come out and say that you don't listen to a court's ruling. This is truly unprecedented, what we're dealing with. So I, I, I open and I start to answer your question with that example because people need to understand how serious these violations of law and the Constitution and the, the system of checks and balances that was very intentionally and carefully crafted by the founders of this country to ensure that tyrannical decision-making and activity like this never happened. So it's it's really, yesterday when I read that about Joe, you know, Joe, I don't even like calling him the president, Joe, I, I it was very, it's just so apparent, it's so egregious what's going on. So I just wanna use that as just one example of how even the president 
of the United States, who's supposed to be the leader of this country, who's supposed to be protecting and safeguarding these systems, these documents, is, is refusing to do that. So with that background in mind, <laughs> you can imagine that little old California legislators, legislative you know, bodies, and little school districts are like, well, if Joe doesn't have to pay attention to the Constitution and the law, why do I? In fact, Joe and Gavin are telling us to move forward, and they're encouraging us to proceed in violation of the law. And that's what happened here with the LA Unified School District. Um, as I mentioned, September 9th, they passed this resolution, but only the California Department of Public Health has the authority to add shots to the K through 12 mandatory vaccination list. And I know that because the law says so. So California Health and Safety Code specifically identifies the California Department of Public Health as the agency that can pass legislation and add the shots. And it's California Health and Safety Code 12335. So that section lists the 10 shots that are currently required, and then in, in 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and then paragraph 11 says, you need, you need to get all these shots, 1 through 10, and any shot that the California Department of Public Health adds to this list after speaking with experts. So they don't have authority. There is a, a very, again, well-settled, an elaborate system of checks and balances even within the process of the California Department of Public Health adding shots. So you have to give opportunity for public comment. You have to give notice so people can make alternate arrangements. You have to consult with experts. It takes anywhere from 45 to 365 days to change a bill under the code sections um, with regard to immunizations in California. So 45 days to a year. And here we have the California, or excuse me, the LA Unified School District with zero authority overstepping and usurping or taking the, the California Department of Public Health's authority, passing a resolution with less than 48 hours notice during a remote closed hearing where there were, I, we have different accounts, three parents or five parents who actually got to give public comment and zero authority, whether it's medical, scientific or legal authority and support. So, um, our lawsuit is purely procedural. It's an administrative procedural lawsuit. We actually don't want to get into the virus, the shots, the efficacy, any of that. We are merely asking the court to determine whether the district has authority to do this. And it's our opinion that it doesn't, and for the reasons I just mentioned. Yeah. And you mentioned if they do add something, then it opens up, if they add any to this list, it opens up some freedom again for exemptions, religious, medical. Uh, explain that a little bit and why they don't want that. That is a little bit of a... So to answer your question, yes, California Health and Safety Code Section 12338 says if any shot is added to the list under that paragraph 11 that I just mentioned in Section 12335, they must allow for medical exemptions and personal beliefs exemptions, which were taken away a couple of years back. Um, the reason why I'm laughing, not laughing, nervously, um, is that they are already in discussions. We already have word that they're in discussions of passing a new bill to get rid of that, to eliminate that. 
or what I personally believe is going to happen is in the January legislative session, instead of trying to do that whole process I was talking to you about, about amending 123.35, mm -hmm. I think they're going to try and pass an entirely new bill that says COVID-19 is a pandemic that kills children disproportionately, so we need to require it, and we're not giving personal police exemptions because it's a little bit of a different process for a new bill. Um, and so that's why I was chuckling nervously mm -hmm. because um, we already know that they're trying to figure out a way to work around it in January. I see. So let's back up just a little bit and talk about from your perspective because of your um, understanding of the Constitution, this lawless behavior by uh, President Biden was also exhibited when um, it came to rent to landlords and the Supreme Court said, basically, you cannot do that. And he said, well, we're going to do it anyway. It seems that every turn their administration, it has obliterated checks and balances, the executive branch under whatever their guise is, emergency uh, measures or emergency powers. How terrifying is that when you lose a constitutional checks and balances to prevent tyranny, to see it all demolished and this, this incredible mandate? Not, I mean, what really riles me up, I'm a father, I'm a grandparent, and when they're doing it to children and it's such a low risk for kids, I mean, almost non-existent unless they have underlying health issues to do this and, and the inflammation of the heart that they're having, the problems with girls and, and menstruation and fertility. It's terrifying and it just is so upsetting to a parent and yeah. a grandparent when they come after our kids. Yeah, well, I mean, I've spoken with you before and cried. <laughs> yeah. So um, in front of hundreds of people, so you know that I definitely feel the same way. Um, as you do, and it is terrifying because it's so, like I, as I mentioned before, it's just so blatant, and there is no rhyme and reason to it other than, I mean, there is, and that is, in my opinion, power, control, and money. Those are the three things, and I think that the three of them are different because power, uh, well, money is, you know, money. They want to get as many people vaccinated and then into that system and then boosted and boosted and boosted and boosted. They also want money from the medicines that they also develop, such as the anticoagulant <laughs> Pfizer drugs. So you have people who are suffering from, from blood clots as a result of the Pfizer vaccine, and their second biggest drug that they sold this year was an anticoagulant, an anti-blood clot medicine. So it's just billions and billions upon billions of dollars that these companies are making. They make you sick, and then they give you the medicine to make you better. It's disgusting. So what money, an amazing, what, what a business model, huh? To destroy people's yeah, absolutely. lives. It's, it's, it's unconscionable. It, it, it totally is. And the power is obviously what they're trying to do now is the exercise and just, in my opinion, scaring people, controlling them, controlling their livelihoods, controlling. I mean, truly, if we allow this to continue, they will own our homes. They will own our businesses. They will own our schools. They will own our bodies. If we let these laws pass, that is, the ultimate control, right, power, is having having the ability to tell someone what they need to put in their body, even though they have zero need for it, and some people can't, should actually not take that medicine or put that into their body. That is the ultimate 
exercise of power. I control your body. So we have money, we have power, and the control, which you and I discussed before, which is the digitization of these records, right? Usually what you do is you go, your child or you get a vaccine, um, or you prove your immunization. They're called immunization records, okay? They're not called vaccine records. So if you go in with a titer test and you show that you, I had, I never got um, vaccinated for chickenpox. My mom just told me, she's like, you got chickenpox. So we didn't give you the shot for chickenpox because the doctor's like, oh, she had chickenpox. And you just signed your, my former pediatrician signed my immunization record. But now we have proof of vaccination. We have digital proof of vaccination. And the whole point of this is what we already see in Israel, what we were seeing in the UK, what we've seen in other countries is that you get these shots, you get a digital proof of vaccination. They say it's for your convenience. So you have your QR code that you can show at the gym, you can show at the supermarket, you can show at the movie theater. And it's for your convenience, it's for your convenience. But what happens is, is after you go for your shot, then they're like, hey, ding, 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 time for your booster, time for your booster. Because in Israel, they say every six months you have to get a booster. And if you don't go get your booster, even though you had really bad tremors last time, or your eczema was really bad, or you had a couple seizures, too many, and you don't want to get a booster anymore, now your QR code is shut off. And so we have money, power, and control. So when people ask me how and why, that is why. Those are the reasons why, in my opinion. Yeah. And so that power, control, and money, and the breakdown of our uh, the checks and balances, and only if we, you know, people are asking me, how come... Biden's not being impeached for not protecting our southern border because there's an invasion. Or how come this? It's just simply because they don't have the votes in Congress to be able to um, push back. And so everybody's saying the midterms, well, this has been accomplished in 10 months. Can we imagine yeah. another, another 14 months before we get to the midterms where some kind of uh, pushback can happen? Well, we're, we're going to continue to pray for this, and I know it can be discouraging, especially with the courts. And oftentimes, it's almost like rolling dice to get a good judge or a bad judge, isn't it? Yeah, yeah well, that's what happened on October 29th, is that we had a good judge. And that morning, they came in with paperwork. to they call, It's called deep-sixing them, because the, the statute statute is 170.6 so they 170.6 or basically vetoed the judge the morning of our hearing even though they had ample opportunity to switch the courtroom so that's why we were there i personally was there for eight hours that day because i was waiting i said i'm not leaving this courtroom until we hear this motion because it's so important i said if we come in on monday november 1st the harm is already done these children will have been required to be fully vaccinated and come monday when i'm here in court trying to help them it will be too late. They'll already be excluded from their teams. So, um, yeah, you know, we had a good judge. <laughs> and then they knew that, and then that's why they they, ex they vetoed that judge. They have that power. It's part of the mechanism that they can get rid of this judge or that judge? Wow. Every, each and party has one, one veto. And in okay. all fairness, but right out the gate, <laughs> we vetoed our first judge. <laughs> so it's not, that's fine. I, yeah. Again, you and I have discussed this before. It's yeah. the intellectual dishonesty that I have a problem with. So mm -hmm. I, we got the judge assigned. We expunged right out the gate. You don't wait for the day of the hearing to ex the judge so that you can't get a hearing date and you have to wait for a new judge and you have to wait all day. Like, that is 
that that's you know that is a litigation tactic that is a deceitful manipulative litigation tactic and that's what they did i mean we we knew that was going to happen so i was like block out my day i'm going to court not leave i'm like i'm either leaving because i have the order and i won or i'm getting arrested and i'm taking to, being taken to the police station i literally told my husband and my partner my two partners rita and jessica i'm like get calls call children's health defense call per call pastor rick Let's start getting my bail together because I'm not leaving without this order because I'm going to jail. So we were, we were, were you, ready for something like that to happen. Well, you know you can call us. We'll definitely ante up to help out. So tell me, yeah. you, you've lost some things uh, as far as some of those hearings. So where do we go from here, Nicole? How can we pray for you? Because I know you're going to continue with motions and trying to slow down, derail, stop the harm of our children just because people want to exercise their power, their control, and get rich from the bodies of our children. Where do we go? Absolutely. So I just, before I answer that, I want to be really clear that the, the relief that we were asking for is extraordinary relief. Literally, that's what it's called in the law. And it's very narrow circumstances that you get a temporary restraining order and you get a preliminary injunction. Because what they do is they ask relief and they asked the other part you know the other the parties to do something without an actual ruling on the merits of the underlying dispute and the reason why you in certain cases you can ask for that is because you there the harms that are about to be suffered or that are threatened are irreparable and very severe so an example, and when you mean when you say irreparable means you can't be repaired, you can't be made whole, like you can't be given money, right? Mm -hmm. So you could never, you know, for a lot of business disputes, you couldn't go in for an ex parte tier. I mean, you could, um, but most of that, I can think of examples where you could, but most of that you can be paid, right? So if someone is in a deal to sell, you know, a million bicycles to you and then they want to sell it to someone else and you're like I want a TRO because I don't want those are unique bicycles and I don't want them to sell them to anyone else the judge would be like well really at the end of the day if we go to trial I'm just going to award you a hundred million dollars so we're not going to grant this kind of extraordinary relief that makes people refrain from doing or compels people to do things that they aren't obligated to do by law so I just want to number one in our case we went for this extraordinary relief because we're dealing with children who are dying and we're dealing with children who are getting sick, and we're dealing with children who are being injured, and you cannot compensate that with money. There's no amount of money, even though the law has tried to you know, put a cap on medical malpractice and say a, a baby's life is worth $250,000. You can't put a price on your health, and you can't put a price on a child's life, um, and especially when you have an injured child, a vaccine-injured child, the lifelong repercussions of that is, is inquantifiable. Not let alone the stress and the, the just the whole emotional, you know, spectrum of issues that come along with that to the family. So we're dealing with that kind of situation. And the second, the second, you know, prong that you have to satisfy is one is irreparable harms that can't be, uh, you know, remedied or rectified with money. And then also you have to have a likelihood of success on the merits. And that is what the, the underlying dispute is about, right, is whether the district has the authority to, to grant these. But in addition to this extraordinary relief, we were asking it on ex parte or emergency rush uh, because of the upcoming deadlines with a rush shortened time. So we have like two layers 
uh, extremely high standards to meet. And um, so I just don't want anyone to despair. We were shooting for the stars and we ended up in the clouds because we still have a December 8th hearing, which is still significantly before the January 10th, 2021 deadline. No one should get vaccinated unless they want to. We have, again, we're gonna have a hearing on the merits on December 8th, which still gives families three weeks. If we lose and they still wanna stay in the district and they haven't you know, linked up with like-minded families to start their own pod or their own school, then they still have three weeks to get fully vaccinated by January 10th. Um, you know, the November 19th deadline and the December 21st deadlines are excuses for the schools to harass the parents. Because like I just said, you could still get vaccinated in December and meet the January 10th cutoff. Mm -hmm. So why they put these arbitrary deadlines in November 19th and December 20, or excuse me, November 21st and December 19th is to freak parents out. There is no other word for it. And they are strong arming the parents and parents need to know the law is on their side. They do not have to vaccinate their children. They are just trying to, to threaten and intimidate and coerce you into getting your children vaccinated. They're putting these, these deadlines in to give administrators and teachers and staff excuses to call, 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 email, text, grab your child, take them to the front of the classroom, embarrass them, ask them about their vaccine, vaccination status, to accidentally exclude them from class, to accidentally exclude them from practice. And they're doing it to make things so uncomfortable that you finally comply. Or worse yet, what we have seen is students going without their parents to get vaccinated because they just can't take it anymore. And that's literally what we're seeing is we're seeing 16, 17 year, 18 year olds going to get vaccinated or, you know, a, a lot of times families are separated, the parents are separated, so they'll go with the other parent to get vaccinated, even though the other parent doesn't want it to happen, and it's just horrifying what they're doing. So um, we still have the January, or excuse me, December 8th deadline. We will fight for you. We invite every single parent from every single district. Oh, it gets me so upset because it's coming for the other districts. I want to be really clear. If you think that your school or your charter or even your homeschool, because they'll come after the homeschools next, or your district is not going to be subject to this kind of potential mandate, I just hate to be the bearer of bad news, but they're coming after every district. And the first one that they want to fall is LAUSD because it's the second biggest district in the nation. So if LAUSD falls, you can just imagine the rest of the districts fall. So everybody come. December 8th, we will be there. It is important for them to see how many families are being impacted by this. Um, that will be a major hearing. And if we don't get the preliminary injunction, um, or in the meantime, even so, you should consider pulling your children out from school. Um, I think that given the landscape of everything, federally, stateside, countywide, state, what we're seeing district-wide and citywide, People need to understand that our elected representatives, our public servants, are not representing our will, and they do not have our best interests in mind because of the power, the control, and the money, um, which we could do a whole web podcast on that, about the money that is pouring into these districts. They have zero incentive to do what you ask them to do um, and to protect your children. You, you, you're the listeners are the only ones who can protect their grandchildren, their children, their neighbors, their sisters, their friends, their nieces and nephews, and they need to do that. People say, well, that's not my fight. They're not coming for me. They're coming for all of us in whatever way they can. 
until we have public servants that will rise up and care about the people rather than power, want liberty rather than control, and are not driven by greed. And so yeah. uh, at every level, on the local level, we need to begin to push back. So on December 8th, you're inviting parents to come to the courthouse? Is that what you're inviting? You said if they come parents. Okay, yeah. inviting parents. Did you hear that invitation, everybody? Uh, <laughs> and, and also people have to face this. Our, our children are our future. They're, they're our priority. And if, if I had kids in school, I would be pulling them out of school. I would be partnering with others for homeschooling or getting a pod or however that right. would work. But somehow, but then they're going to, after they get it, all the established school districts, then like you said, they're going to come up for the private schools. They're going to mm -hmm. come for the homeschooling co-ops. Co yeah. And uh, there's no stopping. So we have to fight now, and we have to fight until the end, because liberty is at stake. Well, and I, you know, this is a machine, okay? This is a, and it's really, again, we can do a presentation or a discussion, a panel on the money that's coming in. And you and I have discussed Orange County Board of Supervisors, for example, but what's happening is, is that these businesses, these schools, these districts are getting so much CARES money, uh, American Rescue Plan money, and then the $9 billion or trillion or whatever it was money. And I think truly some of our elected representatives just think, oh, it's free money. I don't think they understand. Nothing is for free in life, um, number one. Number two, that money is being printed, okay? And that money is what's going to drive this country into another major economic implosion and downturn and depression. And number three, those funds, when they submit their application, come with, I don't want to say hundreds of pages, but tens of pages of terms and conditions that are tied to vaccination rates. So if these schools and these districts and these counties don't meet the vaccination rates that are being, that were specified in the documents that they signed in order to get that money, then the government gets to come and take their businesses, take their land, take their buildings. And so again, that was like right in the beginning you and I discussed, this is a plan that is designed to take over everything from the buildings to the land that they sit on so that everything will be owned by the government. And they don't understand. So it's a double-edged sword because as we push back and we rise up, we're jeopardizing them meeting their vaccination standards, which is going to affect you know, the government being able to come in and take all of our assets. But that's why it's critical for everyone to push back now so these systems don't get into place. And you really hit the nail on the head. You have got to go to your city council. Everyone has got to go to their board meetings. Everyone must, and I'm talking about board of supervisors and school board meetings and school district meetings. And they need to meet with their their principals of their schools, they need to meet with their employers, they need to meet with businesses. When you come across a business that says, oh, proof of vaccination required, you need to walk in and you say, this is discriminatory, this is illegal, this is unconstitutional, these are the reasons why I want to explain to you, and I want to explain the kind of liability you're exposing yourself to, and, and I also want to tell you that we're not going to patronize your business, we're going to tell people that. Because when we start pulling out the bricks at the bottom, the whole thing's going to crumble. You know, everybody wants to go after Joe, and everyone wants to go after Gavin, but really, we have so much power because we've already seen it that districts are starting because parents have been flooding their school board meetings and flooding their school district meetings. And they are barking up to the California Department of Public Health, up to the legislature saying, yo, this situation here is getting out of control. We can't do this. They are on to us. They are on to us. 
So we really need to start pushing back now and just say no. It, 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 you can't, you cannot comply. I, you and you know me since first for a long time now. I have never condoned the exemptions. You know that I don't do exemptions, and it's been a kind of a point of contention between even my, some of my clients um, and my colleagues, and you know members of your of your community. Because I'm like, I'm not going to do it. Because when you submit an exemption, number one, you legitimize the system, which should not exist. It's an illegal system. Why are you asking to be opted out of a system that should literally, poof, it should not even exist, number one. Number two, you're not getting an exemption. You are signing a license. You are signing a license for them to abuse you. You're not getting an exemption. You're giving them a license to abuse you because it's not an exemption. You walk into work or you walk in, your child walks into school and they just proceed as any other exemption in any other time in the history of time. It's an exemption with conditions that are deplorable and abusive and dangerous. So why are you even asking for that exemption? And number three, because they're firing you and they're expelling your kids anyways. So you're not getting an exemption. You're just buying yourself time while you're being abused and you're subjected to medical procedures that are endangering your health and your child's health, and then you're going to get fired or you're going to be excluded from school anyways. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. Uh, everybody, would you be praying for Nicole and her whole team? The team, yeah. We, we get a good judge that things work out. You can get into the courtroom and some people yeah. show up for support. We just really want the truth. The truth always wins, but sometimes there's a long battle because we live in a disinformation age of lies and power control and greed. It's sad. Yeah. Well, until yeah. next time, thank you guys for joining us, and thank you, Nicole. God bless you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Pastor Rick. Light in the darkness, I want hope for the hopeless and rest for the weary mind. And you've got truth for the taking, but my heart won't be shaken if today be the day that I die. Whoa, 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 whoa. Time's trouble. I keep my heart seeking you. Oh, I will keep my heart seeking you. Whoa, 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 whoa.
I will keep my heart seeking.